Which one? The first one? The second one? Um, the morning just the, the second one. <coughs> you turn graves in the garden. Just the graves one. Okay. Yeah. What? No. Hello? I'll fix it later when we have time. Sorry. Huh? Paige. You want her to do it now? No, I mean, there's no point. I mean, she, she, she might need. Yeah, she might. Paige, come here. Sorry, I forgot about that. Huh? I'm here. This one better? Huh? This one better? Yeah. So go behind the fridge. <laughs> just leave them. Just leave them. Well. So this is in now. It's after the sermon. <coughs> a wooden box thing and um, has a hole in the back of it. No, not in the fridge. In the back, like go behind the fridge. <coughs> I, I mean, he's gonna, okay, hit the front of it. It's a drum. What? Hit the front of the box when you find it. It's a drum. <coughs> Mom, he doesn't see the box. Where is it? Where is it? He's literally looking. I don't know. Your dad moved it, so. <sighs> Sorry. He just said it was back there by the box. So that second bridge with the graves and the gardens, but it's just in there once. <coughs> yeah, and then the extra. Right? No, actually, we can't do that extra. Yeah, it's only three. There's only one, two chances.
Okay. <laughs> Back in the piano lessons. We'll just do the the last chorus <coughs> into the bridge. You said we should need to practice something to pay some back. Just tell me to be late. I'm just gonna miss some of the music. Okay. Is there one that you feel like it, it doesn't really matter, honestly. Well, we can just do the first song. The first version? We'll do it again. <coughs> Thank you. 
Decimals difference. 
reach okay, the confidence level on song to song. Sing his praise aloud. Oh, awake my soul and sing. Sing his praise aloud. Sing his praise aloud.
morning, everybody. How's everybody today? All right, sun's out. It's a good time. Let's all stand together. And as usual, <laughs> as usual, we're going to have somebody give the Lord praise or thanks for something he is, does, or will do. All right. Awesome. Mm. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, pray for Jerry. Yeah, pray for Jerry. No. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it is tough. <laughs> it is. All right, if nobody else. So today we're going to read from Psalm 145, Psalm 145. And Psalm 145 is a song of praise by David. And David says, I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and worthy of great praise, and there are no limits to the extent of his greatness. One generation will praise your deeds to another, and they will declare your mighty acts. I will contemplate the glorious splendor of your majesty and the accounts of your wonderful works. Then they will speak about the power of your awesome works, and I will tell about your great deeds. They will pour forth the memory of your abundant goodness and sing loudly about your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion. His compassion extends over all he has made. Everyone you have made will thank you, O Lord, and the ones you favor will bless you. They will tell about the glory of your kingdom, and they will speak about your might. To make known his might to the children of Adam, to make known the glorious splendor of his kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his words and merciful toward all he has made. The Lord lifts up all who fall, and he supports all who are bowed down. The eyes of all eagerly look eagerly to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. He opens his hand, and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and merciful toward all that he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He grants the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but he will destroy all the wicked. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. So this is the Lord we've come to worship today. Many, many things David says about the Lord in there. You notice that his mercy endures forever, that his, he's gracious, he's compassionate, and um, he basically gives us everything we need to live our lives. 
If we're not following him, then we're missing out on everything because the Lord is our life. He's the one that we need. We got to follow the Lord in order to have the abundant life he wants, to, he wants us all to have. So that's what um, that psalm is basically all about. We're going to sing some songs together, but first let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Your promise. 
Shout your name, oh Lord. 
You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. So as we take the cup of, and the bread together in remembrance of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we must remember why he came here. He was sent here to save all of us so that we will have eternal life with him. After his life of teaching, healing, and showing God's grace, the final proof of that eternity was his resurrection after the third day of his death. Jesus wants all of us to be with him. All we have to do is follow his commands. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day and pray for all of us for boldness to speak words of wisdom to draw others to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now is the time in the service for our announcements. We're always accepting uh, empty pill bottle donations for Matthew 25 Ministries and used ink cartridges. Um, last week I made a joke about you can get them from your next door neighbors, especially like mine's my in-laws, so that makes it a little easier. <laughs> but um, the office supply stores really want to make it easy for churches to be able to have re reduced costs for office supplies. So that's what we do. When you bring them in, they're used, they're empty. Um, we take them over there, and they give us a reduction in costs for office supplies. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, 5 to 7. Um, if you're interested in dropping donations off, um, that can be done on that Thursday or Sunday after service. Um, if you're interested in coming to see what we do, how we serve, uh, we pray for people, we talk to people, we build relationships with them, and we do invite them to church and talk to them about Jesus. Refit's free dance fitness class here in the sanctuary every Tuesday and Thursday, 6.30 to 7.30. Breakfast fellowship, first Sunday of every month at 9.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Um, if you haven't come yet, please do. There's a lot of food, there's a lot of fun, there's a lot of fellowship, so come get to know someone. Mellon Ridge Ministry is January 29th at 2 p.m., bringing worship to the residents in Mellon Ridge facility. Uh, lunch is provided by the church, and there's a sign-up at the welcome table just outside. Food fellowship, it seems like we're always eating. <laughs> um, food and fellowship is this Wednesday, January 18th from 6 to 8 here in the sanctuary. Um, the food theme this week is going to be, or sorry, this month is going to be Asian. So there's a sign up on the welcome table so we know how many people are coming, what you might be interested in bringing, that kind of thing. So if you haven't been, it's a great time. Um, men and women alike come, families, you know, we all come, and we just sit around the table and we break bread and eat. Yes. Yes. Here you'll see four ways to give to the church. Giving to the church keeps the lights on, keeps the bills paid, but we do a lot in the community, um, and so, you know, it's, we need to make sure we keep that going. Um, before I forget, I have a couple other things. There's an orange paper hanging on the window back there, as well as some you can take with you with the calendar events for the month of January, and ladies reading through the book study Women of the Bible um, who would like to be included in the email chats, please text me or email me and let me know. Um, we're going to start up this um, email chat next week. And now is your 10-minute meet and greet.
I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> I try not to do that. So uh, we're going to jump right into the Word now. And let's uh, turn together in our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. We can turn together or flick together, I guess. What do you call it on your phone? Flip to it, whatever it is. It's an amazing thing that we have technology to have the Bible in our pocket, carry it everywhere we go. You get different translations of it, just an awesome thing. Swipe. swipe. Okay, swiping is what it is. You swipe for, to get to the Bible. Oh, the book, book. <laughs> yeah, right. book of Luke. So yeah, we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 21 through 39. Luke 2, 21 through 39. And when you find that in your Bible, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the title of today's teaching is, Make Yourself Useful to the Lord. In Luke 2, 21 through 39, the scriptures say, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And you may be seated. How many of us want our lives to count for something? We want to know that when we leave this earth, we've lived our lives in a way that is useful to the Lord. And we want God to gain glory from our lives. Well, through the scenes of this story, Luke gives us some examples of saints who made themselves useful to the Lord. And we'll learn two things that we must do to follow in their footsteps. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you to open our ears to hear the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Holy Spirit. Give us hearts and minds that are open to receive the truth and give us grace to put the truth into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we must do to make ourselves useful to the Lord is we must obey the Lord's law. Now, Luke offers an example of what this looks like through Joseph and Mary. In Luke 2.21, Luke says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So eight days after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it was time to circumcise and name God's son. Now, circumcision is a religious ritual where the foreskin of the male member is removed. But why was this necessary? Well, Joseph and Mary had Jesus circumcised in obedience to the Lord's command. And we read this command in Genesis 17, 10 through 13. The Lord says to Abraham, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. So like every other male born in Israel, Jesus was circumcised eight days after he was born. And he did this to officially become a part of God's covenant people. Now, you may have noticed that God said circumcision would be an everlasting covenant. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means that this everlasting covenant is still in force today. Do we still got to be circumcised to be a part of God's covenant people? But the circumcision now comes in a different form, as Paul says in Colossians 2, 11 through 12. 
In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And then Paul goes on to tell us when this happens in verse 12. He says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So the everlasting covenant and necessary nature of circumcision still stands, but the procedure is no longer performed by human hands. And we can all thank the Lord for that. (laughs) Under the new covenant, both males and females are now circumcised by Christ in the waters of holy baptism. Our sinful self, which was ruled by the flesh, is cut off by Christ when we're baptized. See, that's what circumcision was pointing to. It was pointing to the time when Christ would come. We could be baptized to him, and he would cut off our flesh through that baptism. It would come out of the water a new person, born again with a new nature as a part of the new creation in Christ. So Mary and Joseph had Jesus circumcised eight days after he was born, and they waited eight days in obedience to the Lord's law. So according to the Lord's law, a woman was ceremonially unclean for seven days after she gave birth to a male child. And when you hear unclean, don't think of dirty. It's not about being dirty. It's unclean in the, in the, in the sense that you can't go and be around certain things while you're in this state. You can't be around the Lord, all these things. We'll talk about some of that. So during the seven-day period, a woman was excluded from religious life and worship, and she could not have any contact with others because anyone or anything that touched an unclean person would be made ceremonially unclean through that contact, and then they would need to be purified before resuming religious life and worship. So Mary was isolated for seven days after she gave birth to God's son, and on the eighth day, either Joseph circumcised Jesus or more likely someone came to where the Holy Family was, and then Jesus was circumcised by that person. And on the same day, as a part of the ritual of circumcision, well, God's son was also named. But neither Joseph nor Mary chose the name of God's son. Now, Luke tells us God named his son through an angel. And in Matthew 1.21, Matthew adds an important detail about the name that God's son was given. The angel told Joseph, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, it's impossible to overstate the importance of the name Jesus. The Christian faith is founded on the truth we find in the name of Jesus. The name Jesus means the Lord saves, the Lord rescues, the Lord delivers. The primary purpose for Jesus coming to this earth is to save humanity from our sins. Paul puts it this way in Titus 2, 13 through 14. He says, our great God and Savior Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people, eager to do good works. Now, sin and lawlessness are synonymous in the Scriptures. John says, it, uh, as John tells us in 1 John 3, 4, he says, everyone who commits sin also commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So God's Son, he came to save the world by redeeming us or freeing us from all lawlessness, by freeing us from all sin. Jesus came to purify us, to take possession of us, and then make us passionate about doing the good works that he did, the good works that we were created to do in Christ. And that's what we should think about when we hear the name Jesus. 
Now, let me give you an easy way to remember this. You take the name Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, and then you turn it into this. Jesus enfleshed saves us from all sin. Jesus enfleshed saves us from all sin. Jesus became human to save us from all sin. That's why Jesus came. And that's what the name of Jesus means. Jesus enfleshed saves us from all sin. Now, back to Joseph and Mary. They wait eight days to circumcise the name Jesus in obedience to the Lord's law. But there was one more thing that they had to do to, <clears throat> excuse me, to obey the Lord's law. It's now 40 days after Jesus was born, and Joseph and Mary must take baby Jesus to Jerusalem. In Luke 2, 22 to 23, Luke tells us why they took this trip. He says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. So under the old covenant, the Lord required his people to consecrate or set apart their firstborn males for the Lord's service. And Luke quotes here from Exodus 3, 2, uh, sorry, 13, 2, where the Lord commanded his people, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. So Joseph and Mary, they waited 40 days to present Jesus to the Lord, and they did this to obey the law that we read in Leviticus 12, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, a woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised. Then the woman must wait 30, 33 days to be purified from her bleeding. She must not touch anything sacred or go to the sanctuary until the days of her purification are over. Now, I'm going to ask y'all to raise your hands for a minute. How many of y'all knew that this kind of stuff was in the Bible? About three or four of you. That's, that's pretty good. Three or four of you. How many of y'all didn't know this was in the Bible? How many of y'all want me to stop asking you to raise your hands? You know, a lot of times we, uh, we got like a couple little verses in our minds about what the Scripture is teaching all this. This shows us that the Scripture covered the entire life of, of Israel. It also co- it covers our entire lives as well. So after Jesus was circumcised, they had to wait an additional 33 days to dedicate him to the Lord. Because although after the seven-day purification period, Mary could be around others and touch common people and common things, well, Mary was not permitted to touch anything sacred or to go near any sacred place, and this would include the temple, what the Old Testament called the sanctuary. So in obedience to the Lord's law, Joseph and Mary, they wait until Jesus is 40 days old, and then they take him to the temple and dedicate him to the Lord's service. But that's not the only reason his parents took him to Jerusalem. In Luke 2.24, Luke says, while they were at the temple, Joseph and Mary also had to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, once Mary presents this offering, she would then be readmitted into religious life after giving birth to Jesus. Now, I want to draw your attention to the content of Mary and Joseph's offering. Luke says it was a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And this offering reveals an important truth, important detail about Mary and Joseph. So this offering was the poor person's offering. We read about this offering in Leviticus 12, 6 through 8. 
When the days of her purification for a son or daughter are over, she is to bring to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. He shall offer them before the Lord to make atonement for her, and then she will be ceremonially clean from her flow of blood. These are the regulations for the woman who gives birth to a boy or girl. And here's the most important part for us right now. But if she cannot afford a lamb, she is to bring two doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And in this way, the priest will make atonement for her and she will be clean. So by mentioning that their offering was two doves or two young pigeons, Luke emphasizes here a theme that we see throughout his gospel. The good news, the gospel of the kingdom is good news to the poor. The Israel's king was born to poor parents. The birth of Israel's king was first announced to poor shepherds. The poor are the first to have the good news of the kingdom preached to them. And this is not just about poverty in the sense of possessions, but poverty, he's talking about poverty in the sense of those who recognize their spiritual poverty without the Lord. They realize their life is not going the right way. They're basically empty. They have nothing without the Lord. The gospel is to those who will humble themselves and receive God's grace to follow Jesus. Jesus came as a humble servant, born to humble parents to save those who will humble themselves and obey him. Now, with these three ceremonies, the circumcision and naming, the presentation of Jesus to the Lord, and the offering for purification, with these three ceremonies, Luke wants us to see clearly what he says in Luke 2, 39. Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord. So Joseph and Mary completely obeyed the Lord's law, and they are a model for all of us to mimic. Under the new covenant, the ceremonial aspects of the Lord's law were fulfilled and replaced in Christ. So physical circumcision has been replaced by holy baptism, the Passover replaced by the Holy Eucharist, and the animal sacrifices were all replaced when the Holy Lamb of God, God's Holy Son, became the ultimate sacrifice for sin and took away the sin of the world once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. So the ceremonial and temporary aspects of the Lord's law have been fulfilled and replaced by better promises. But this does not mean that God's people are now lawless under the New Testament or the New Covenant. And remember, Jesus came to redeem us from all lawlessness. We just read that earlier. So God still expects his faithful people to obey the eternal and the moral aspects of the Lord's law to obey the spirit of the law, which is written on our hearts. Paul calls this the law of Christ and the law of the spirit. James calls it the law that gives freedom. It's the law that Jesus clarified in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the law that Jesus summed up in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven. When asked which is the greatest commandment in the law, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, every command in the Lord's law teaches us how to love God and how to love others. And this is not something that's unattainable for anyone. It's something that God has commanded from the beginning and which God's faithful people have been doing since the beginning. 
Joseph and Mary are two examples of people who made themselves useful to the Lord by obeying the Lord's law. And if we want to make ourselves useful to the Lord, then we must do the same. We must obey the Lord's law. And we must also do a second thing to make ourselves useful to the Lord. We must obey the Lord's spirit. In Luke 2, 25 through 38, Luke introduces us to two more fascinating people. One is a godly man, the other a godly woman. And these two saints are examples of what it looks like to obey the Lord's spirit. First, let's look at Simeon's example. Notice how Luke describes Simeon in Luke, Simeon in Luke 2, 25. He says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. But Luke says that Simeon was righteous and devout. And what he means by that is the same thing he said about John the baptizer's parents in Luke 1.6. Like Zechariah and Elizabeth, Simeon was righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, let me ask you all a question. This is not a trick question. Is it possible to observe all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly? Yes or no? Yes or no? Well, according to the Scriptures, yes, right? John's parents did it. Jesus' parents did it. Simeon did it. And countless other saints have done it as well. But for many years, based on a bad reading of Paul's letters... We've been wrong, wrongly taught that it's impossible to obey all the law of the Lord blamelessly. Matter of fact, people tell us when Jesus lays down the Sermon on the Mount, what he's really doing is trying to show us how unattainable this whole thing is. So he's basically trying to trick us. I want you to live like this, but nobody can. But that's not what Jesus was doing. See, we've been taught that the Lord's law is just too burdensome for God's people. But Luke makes it clear that people can and did obey all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, and we can too. But listen to this. None of the saints who went before us obeyed God in their own strength, and neither can we. See, they needed God's grace, and we need God's grace to empower us so that we can live the type of life that God demands of us, commands of us. He also gives us the power to live that life. So Simeon was righteous and devout because he obeyed God blamelessly, and he obeyed God blamelessly because the Holy Spirit was all over him, giving him God's grace. And God's grace produced a desire in Simeon to obey God's commands. And it also produced a desire in Simeon to see God's kingdom come. And Luke tells us Simeon was waiting for the consolation or the comfort of Israel. And this means he was waiting for God's messianic kingdom to come. He was living in obedience to the Lord and looking forward to the day when the Lord will fulfill the promise he made to his people in Isaiah 52, 9. Isaiah says this, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. You know, the vast majority of the Lord's people had been ruined by their sins, right? They had turned their backs on the Lord, the Lord's people had forsaken the Lord, and the Lord forsook them and allowed their enemies to take them captive. So for many centuries, God's people had been ruled by their enemies, but God had given them hope. He promised to send them a king who would redeem them from all their enemies and usher in God's rule on earth. 
Simeon and every other righteous and devout Jewish person were looking forward to this coming king and his glorious kingdom. And God gave Simeon this incredible promise that we read in Luke 2.26. Luke says, It had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And as Simeon says in Luke 2.29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So the Lord promised Simeon, the Redeemer, who would comfort Israel and save them from their enemies, the Messiah would come before Simeon died. And this promise was revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's easy to overlook just how huge this promise is. But imagine that you're Simeon. Since you were a young child, you've heard all the prophecies about the coming king, the king of Israel. You've heard that this king will come and save your people and bring about God's reign on earth. And one day you hear a still, small voice say to you, the king is coming in your lifetime. You will not die before you see the Lord's salvation. Now, let's relate that to our day. This is the equivalent of the Lord telling one of us that we will not die before we witness the Lord's second coming. Now, what if you knew for certain that King Jesus was coming back in your lifetime? Wouldn't that affect how you live? What kind of expectation would you wake up with every single day? Well, see, that's a situation Simeon was in. The Holy Spirit told Simeon he would not die before the Messiah came. Simeon didn't understand all of this, which none of Israel really understood the whole thing. But he knew that the Messiah would come, and he knew when he saw him. Now, the Holy Spirit may not tell us that the Lord is coming back in our lifetime, but the Holy Spirit does tell us in the Scriptures to live every day as if we did know King Jesus would come back in our lifetime. You know, it's very possible that Jesus could come any day, He could come any moment, and we don't want Him to find us asleep when He comes. The early church lived with that expectation. You read Peter's letters, you see all that, Paul's letters, all of them. They're expecting the Lord to come any second, any moment he could come. And we should approach every day with that same sense of expectation, reminding ourselves our king could come today and asking ourselves this important question, am I ready to meet my master? And that question will help us to live every day as Jesus told us to live, watching and praying keeping our lamps burning, being ready to meet our master when he comes. We don't want to shrink away from him in shame. We want him to tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. That's what we want to hear from Jesus when he comes back. But we got to be ready for him when he comes, and he could come any moment. So the Holy Spirit gave Simeon insight into when the Messiah would be born. And in Luke 2.27, Luke says, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. So because the Holy Spirit was on Simeon and because Simeon listened when the Spirit spoke to him, Simeon moved when the Holy Spirit moved him. Simeon obeyed the Lord's Spirit. And if Simeon had not known the voice of the Lord's Spirit and obeyed the Holy Spirit, well, he would have been like so many other people in Jesus' day, people that had heard all the prophecies, people who saw all the signs but missed the Messiah. But because Simeon knew the Spirit's voice and obeyed the Spirit's direction, well, Simeon was led to the temple to meet the Messiah. Now, 
as incredible as Simeon's relationship with the Lord was, for us, we have something better. See, if we're born again, if we're God's children, then you and I have something Simeon did not have. See, Simeon had the Holy Spirit on him. We who are born again have the Holy Spirit in us. On versus in. He's in us. He dwells in us. God lives inside of us. And just like the Holy Spirit led Simeon, well, the Holy Spirit will also lead us. If we'll listen for his direction, the Holy Spirit will move us to obey the Lord. Now, part of learning to walk in the Spirit or walk the Christian life, part of that is learning to hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you read the New Testament, as I encourage all of you to do all the time, keep on doing, just keep on reading and reading. When you read the New Testament, you'll see over and over again, the Holy Spirit gives God's people specific directions for our lives. See, if we'll give the Lord complete control of every area of our lives and in all our ways acknowledge Him, well, then the Holy Spirit will direct our path in every detail of our lives. But it's important that you hear me say this. We have to have some balance here. The Holy Spirit will never move us or lead us to do anything that's contrary to God's revealed will in His written Word. See, the Holy Spirit cannot contradict the written Word because actually the Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the Word, right? He wrote the Word through people. Now, I hear a lot of people, people all the time, they say things like, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me this. The Lord told me that. Or the Spirit led me to do that. Well, the problem is those people are doing things that are contrary to God's written Word. And I'll give you one example. A prominent pastor, I don't remember what year it was, come out and said, the Lord told me to divorce my wife and marry this other lady. Sorry, man, the Lord didn't tell you that. The Lord didn't tell you that. Because the Scriptures say the Lord hates divorce. How could he tell you to divorce your wife and marry somebody else? So the Lord didn't tell you that. That's what I'm trying to get at. We have to make sure that what we're hearing from the Spirit is really the Spirit, right? And it will always match His Word. The Word and the Spirit will always agree with one another. So we need to know the Word well. We need to read the Word often. We need to saturate ourselves with the teachings of Scriptures until they become a part of our very being so that we can be sure we're following the Holy Spirit's leading and not our own minds or deceiving spirits. So the same Holy Spirit who led Simeon is here in us today, and he will still lead our lives today. He'll lead us to be righteous and devout. He'll lead us to obey the Lord's law. So if we want to be useful to the Lord, then let's follow the example of Simeon. Let's obey the Lord's Spirit. And let's also follow the example of another saint who obeyed the Lord's Spirit. Let's follow Anna's example. And we're getting ready to wrap it up. So if you're getting bored, you ain't got that much time to sit through. We'll be here in a minute. So in verses 36 through 38, Luke introduces us to a female prophet named Anna. She was a righteous and devout woman who obeyed the Lord's law. She was 84 years old, and Anna was a widow. She'd become a widow just seven years after her marriage, and after her husband died, Anna fully dedicated herself to the Lord's service. Luke says she never left the temple. Think about this. She never left the temple. She worshiped the Lord night and day. She prayed, and she fasted. So for all you young folks who tell me you can't fast, look at Anna. Fasted night and day, prayed night and day, never left the temple. See, just like Simeon, Anna obeyed the Lord's law. And just like Simeon, Anna was led by the Holy Spirit 
to meet Jesus. As Luke says in Luke 2.38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, the word redemption here is, is synonymous with what Simeon had talked about when he says the consolation. The consolation of Israel is the redemption of Israel. So Anna obeyed the Lord's Spirit who led her to Jesus. And when Anna saw Jesus, she gave joyful thanks to God. So like Simeon, she praised God for showing her God's salvation. Now, there's an important truth for all of us in these verses, but especially for the widows and both male and female members of the church who are older. You know, Satan loves to whisper in your ears. He wants you to believe that your best days are behind you. He likes to tell you that you're too old to be useful to the Lord. But don't let the devil deceive you. If you'll obey the Lord's law and obey the Lord's spirit, he will lead you into fruitful service for your king. And he'll give you the strength to do that. Just like he did with Simeon, just like he did with Anna. God will do this for any of us. No matter how old we are, how young we are, God will use us for fruitful service if we'll fully dedicate ourselves to the service of the Lord. If we'll give ourselves fully to worship, to prayer, to fasting, and to living righteous and devout lives. If we'll obey the Lord's law and obey the Lord's spirit, he will make sure that we spend our days in fruitful service for the Lord. Now, as we close, I'm going to end with the questions I started with. How many of us want our lives to count for something? We want to know that when we leave this earth, we were useful to the Lord. and We want God to gain glory from our lives. But to have that kind of life, then we must follow the example of Joseph and Mary, of Simeon and Anna. We must follow the example of every faithful servant of the Lord. We must obey the Lord's law, keep the Lord's commands. We must obey the Lord's spirit and follow him wherever he leads us. And where he's always going to lead us is to obey the Lord's command. So it's reciprocal. The, the Holy Spirit is always going to lead us back to the Lord, back to obeying his commands. See, if you and I will do those things day in and day out, not just for a week or two weeks or three, day in and day out, being faithful to the Lord, faithfully following his commands, if we'll do those things, then we will make ourselves useful for the Lord, and our lives will bring glory to him, and our lives will also draw people into God's kingdom. That's all I got for today. Let's stand for prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us. Thank you for the godly examples that you've given us in the scriptures, the saints who went before us and the saints who are among us today, those who have made themselves useful to you. Lord, we ask you to give us the grace to follow in their footsteps. Give us the grace to obey your law and to obey your spirit. Help us to do that today and, and always. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so they're going to sing a couple more songs, or one more song. I got y'all singing more songs than you're supposed to. And let's keep singing. They're going to sing uh, one more song. And uh, while they do that, you're welcome to come forward. If you want to pray about something, somebody will be up here to pray with you. If you don't want to pray with anybody, you're welcome just to come kneel down. You're also welcome to stay where you are and pray there too. If you uh, have a question about something I've said today, I'll be available afterwards. You can ask me about that. If you don't know what it is to follow Jesus, please come and talk to me, and I want to tell you all about that. Uh, if you need healing for anything, we'll also have people up here that will want you, will, that'll pray with you as well. Scriptures tell us to 
Call, call the elders of the church, anoint people with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith makes sick people well. In the context of that, what does he say? Confess your sins of one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. If there's something you need to confess today, someone to be up here to help you with that. And they're not going to go tattletale on you and say, hey, so-and-so told me this, that this is going to, we ask you to confess your sins like God does so that it can be in the open, it can be exposed, and you can get rid of it. Because the Lord says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't go out here with sin on you today. Confess your sin and get it removed. So um, they're going to sing a final song, but I'm, I'm going to uh, speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
Seasons are high. 